Michelle Saddles and welcome to the next episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive or Saddle for short. We are deep diving currently the first series of the John Sullivan classic, Dear John. We are. You're going to say your name? I, I was just about, I'm just getting no, round sorry, to it. I'm just getting round to it. Just getting the admin in first. Just get the admin in and then my name's Alison Barton Simmons. No, that name is Emma Hill. <laughs> Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Uh, so I should say, uh, Forces TV, should we just get that out of the way? Forces TV have been showing it. Yeah, and Twitter's plan. alive with people tweeting about how great Dear John is. Oh, what good timing. We didn't know about Forces TV doing this, No, we, we don't have a contact in the in the Forces. How lovely. Sorting out the TV schedule for us. But they've put it on and everyone's tweeting about it and we've got lots lots of new followers because basically we jumped on all of their tweets and piggybacked on them going, oh, if you're really into it. Amazing. Oh, that's really cool though, isn't it? So, yeah, if, you, if you're watching along on Forces TV or on DVD or you're managing to catch it anywhere else, you can join us for the deep dive each week. We take each episode... Watch it and then talk about it for an hour together and you can join in um, and listen along. And if you don't have Forces TV, you can always watch it on our website because we embed the video from Daily Motion onto our episode notes page. So we're up to Series 1, Episode 7. This is the last episode in the first series, which I, I don't know about you, Ben, but I think this is, this is my favourite episode so far. Probably, yeah. I wouldn't argue with it. Yeah. It's a great episode. It is a great episode and it ties up a couple of loose ends, but then they become unraveled very quickly again. And, and yeah, it's, 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 it's quite, it's quite telling this episode, I think. It's a great arc, a great end to Kirk's development arc from being the arsehole at the very beginning yes. to the end of this, where you see him as a very vulnerable human being, isn't it? Mm. Of that time, John Sullivan was undoubtedly to me the greatest sitcom writer uh, adding drama yeah. to his comedy, I think, and pathos and things mm. like that. Yes. Before we get stuck into it, though, Al, um, I just wanted to actually mm. say to you that did you know that when Forces TV played Series 1, Episode 1 the other day, they included they included a couple of scenes that weren't in our versions that we've seen. Is that right? There was the, the Beatles bit that was edited out. So was that actually used in the, in the cut on... Forces TV. Yeah, and then at the end, there's a there's a cut scene where they're, they're all outside the one to one club, dis- or it might be the yes. pub, discussing coming back next week. Really? See, I, I think that was to do with that must have been to do with the music because I think the music being cut might have altered what the scene, the, the sort of structure of the scene. Yes, perhaps. I think you're right. From what I read, yeah, on Twitter, there yeah. were people discussing the fact that it was it was present rather than cut, like on the DVDs. Oh, do you think Paul McCartney's seething now then? Do you think he's seen it on, on Forces <laughs> TV and now he's writing an angrily written letter? He might. You think he's like Gervais? Yeah, seeking out some nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis? Yeah, we struggle with that one, don't we? Nemesises. Anyway, I have, if you would like to participate, Ben, I've got a blankety blank. Hey, Les Trousers are back. Les Trousers are on. Would you like to take part? I certainly would. Hit me with it. Dear John, blankety blank, blankety blank. Dear John, blankety blank, blankety blank. Dear John, blankety blank, blankety blank, blankety blank. Dear John, blankety blank. Okay, Ben, I've got five blankety blank questions that range across the episodes that we've seen so far. They are variety of characters that say these things. 
for the points, you need to guess the word and who said it. I can give you the episode. All right, okay. As a, as a small clue if you need it. But I'll, I'll hold back on which episode it is until you need it because you might just get it straight away. Yes, I'm quietly confident, you know, which pride comes before the fall. Well, that's good. But, you know. That's good, yeah. Let's, let's, let's see how you get on. Are you ready? I am. Okay, number one. I once gave a girlfriend of mine a blank. <laughs> well, that's pissed on my chips already, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I once gave a girlfriend of mine a. It's definitely Kirk who says this. It's definitely Kirk. I once gave. And, and, and Kate says, wouldn't she have preferred a bunch of flowers straight afterwards? Yes. But I can't remember what it was that he said. <laughs> what, what did he give her? I've only got chlamydia in my mind now, but I'm sure he didn't say that. It wasn't chlamydia? Oh, I bet it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, double whammy. <laughs> I once gave. A girlfriend of mine. No, I do not. I can't get it. What might you give someone? What? What might you? No, I'm not going to get it. I'll. No, no. It was kidney. A kidney. Oh. You knew that. I, well, you knew that. That was episode one. That was uh, yeah. Imagine m- mentioning that at one of your first meetings that you went to of the one to one club. Mm. Okay, number two. I don't expect we'll see him again. I've met too many like him before. They read the words divorced and separated and they walk in expecting to find a load of blank, blank women. Well, it's Louise. It is Louise. I think one of the words is desperate. Okay. Might be sad and desperate. If Louise has said it, what might it be? (laughs) (laughs) Expecting to find a load of sexually repressed. Nearly. Sexually desperate. Still nearly. (laughs) (laughs) Sexually frustrated. Well done, there we go. You led me by the hand there, didn't you? But I got in the end. Sexually frustrated women. That was Louise in episode two. And then she looks at Mrs Arnott, doesn't she? She sort of grins. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. I was just unwinding with a blank and a late film. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm pulling a blank on that one. No pun intended. It was John. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was John in episode four. It's the episode where he's trying to get a date for the party. And it's near the end of the episode. And it's I was just unwinding with a what? With a blank. With a blank and a late film. Curry. Total guess. Is it curry? It's not curry, it's brandy. Oh yeah. Yes. When he's trying to convince the operator that he's you know, he's all chill. Yeah. It's probably a better thing to unwind with than a curry. (laughs) Curry in a late film. Number four. You've met the blank Mrs. Boyd Peters, then. You've met the... It's not windy. No, flatulent. No. Um, (laughs) Mysterious. Oh, well done. Yes. Kate. The mysterious Mrs. Boyd Peters. Yeah, that was Kate in episode five. Well done. Let me just have a look at the total so far. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six. 
so six far. Six out of eight? Oh, that's not bad, six is it? Six out of four? No, yeah. <laughs> six out of four. <laughs> <laughs> Do very well. Number five. Why did you ring Ken's wife and tell her about him and Kate? What makes you sure it was me? She said that the blank caller sounded like a blank. This is two, it's a two-way conversation, that. Oh, yeah. So why did you ring Ken's wife and tell her about him and Kate? Me, what makes you sure it was me? She said that the blank caller sounded like a blank. It's John. Yes. Just read the last bit again. She said that the... She said that the blank caller sounded like a blank. Well, the last word's idiot, but... Yes. The one before, the blank caller. Mystery? Or no? Mm, nearly. Not mysterious. No. no. Already had mysterious. Not flatulent. Uh, that, uh... No, I can't remember how. Anonymous. Anonymous. Oh, well. You got seven out of five. <laughs> seven out of ten. That's brilliant. Well done. Yeah, so it's seven out of ten. That's really good. That's not bad, is it? I... Were, were they hard, those? It's easy when you're writing them because you can... You, you... It's easy to put them together. Like, but... I, I, they're sort of hard because you think, like, you can, you know exactly what scene it is from, but getting the specific yeah. missing word is difficult in yes. some cases, you know. I got all the actors, I think, didn't I? You did. You did. Well done. Shall I do you at the end of series two then? Yeah. And see how bad I can do. Yeah. Okay. So it'll just be blank, 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 John, blank, blank, blank. Yeah. <laughs> No, I won't. I'm not competitive. I won't make it hard. Should we get? Should we get stuck into this episode then? <laughs> we, we kept doing that last week, saying the same thing at the same time. I feel there's a lot of jinxes. Um, yes, let's get stuck into this episode. This episode is, like we said, series one, episode seven, undercover. Dear John. Dear John. By the time you read this life, I'll be gone. Life goes on, right or wrong. Now it's all been said and done, dear John. Seems we've sung love's last song, dear John. Just before you start, did we mention that there was 10.77 million viewers in this one? No, we didn't. Oh, oh, see, it's, it's on the slide, slide already, yeah. isn't it? That's oh. a shame. But there you go. Who knows why? But it, it dropped 3 million viewers in the previous week. Perhaps something important was going on. Was the time difference different? Was the time of when it was broadcast any different to uh, the rest? I don't know. You know You know that website that says when things were on. You have to have a look. Hmm. I might investigate that because I always think it was like a big event around that time, where, which means that people didn't watch it and watched like the news if there was like a big... I think that was like Prince Andrew marrying Fergie or something. <laughs> it been about that time. That was August that year, I think. How the hell did you know on. that? I don't know. You're a big Andrew fan. It was 86, but it was later on. I'm sure it was like, yeah, it, not August. No, it wasn't because we, we went into school in, in red, white and blue. So it might have been... A bit earlier, but it was later on in the year. It was. I don't think it was March. All oh, right. Well, I don't know what it was that that lost John 
lost dear John three million viewers, but it's a shame because it was a great mm, episode. Yeah, that was a big that's a big chunk, that, isn't it? Okay, so we we start off in the one to one club this week, and Ralph is busy telling the group about being unemployed, mm. um, and that he thinks he might be he might be bored if it wasn't for his train spotting books, which I thought was <laughs> that was a really funny line to to open the um the episode with. Uh, but he's finding himself staying in bed until noon, which is a bit bit of a worry, isn't it? I don't know. That's me every day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you read your train spotting books just to yeah, just to keep me amused? Yeah. Kirk tries to convince Ralph to be a mercenary, and Ralph says that even when he thinks about applying for jobs, he 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 just doesn't because there's too many people. He really is suffering with his confidence. I think Ralph into he's he's really having a bad time of it. Well, he is, but I don't think the rumble in the jungle that Ralph that um, Kirk's <laughs> suggesting is really for for Ralph, is it? Because he says he, he gets blotchy in the sun and yeah, he has verrucas and psoriasis. So it's not for yeah, him. Yeah, he's he's really finding it hard. Ralph says that he, he can't do any of this because he's not had Kirk's army training. Mm. And then they discuss what regiment Kirk had been in, and Kate guesses at the SAS, but Kirk calls them sissy boys. <laughs> And says that he was in the crack unit, which I don't know if that was a double-edged, um, a double-edged joke. I don't think so. Kate makes a crack that Kirk was in the A team, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Which do you know what? There's a link to that later on as well about the A team. Is it? Yeah. Just, just bear that in mind. I'll bring it up when we get to it. Oh, I know what you mean. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Um, Louise is keen to find out what Kirk actually does for a living because I think she feels that he talks a lot in these meetings but doesn't very doesn't say very much really. Mm. They mm. don't really get much out of him. But she, he's never he's never told the group this information. He's never divulged what he actually does. He talks he talks a good game but he's never actually divulged what it is that he does. And Kirk says, "I wish I could tell you, being all mysterious." So the yeah. mis- the mystery continues at this stage. And Louise announces that this is the last meeting of ter- of this term. So I think we're guessing that the community centre closes for like summer holidays. But she gives everyone her personal number, doesn't she? She does. I thought that was um, in terms of like modern day group stuff. It's a bit crossing a boundary that you don't tend to give your number out, do you? To no. To well, I'll come back it's... onto that later because it might earn her an okay. MVP from me because I think she was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll discuss that later. I'm not sure if oh, you're okay. right. If you you might be right that it's beyond the beyond the level of acceptable, but. Mm. Kirk randomly shouts out that he can't tell them because of the Official Secrets Act, like nobody asked, and he's still he's still desperate to sort of keep this mystery up, I think. Hmm. Uh, Mrs. Arne asks if he's a postman, which, <laughs> which tickled me. She's got some really great lines, hasn't she? Yeah. He's very offended, though, isn't he? He is, he is, because in his, in his head, he's obviously more than just a, just a, just a, a postman. Ralph thinks that Kirk might be a spy and Kirk doesn't correct him. He doesn't say, nah, I'm not a spy. He just lets him carry on believing that. Louise then mentions that they've booked an end-of-term meal, so they're all going to be going out on the lash in a day or two. Ralph pushes Kirk on being a spy now and wants to know how he got into that line of work. Mm. And Kirk says that his dad got him in. (laughs) Like he works (laughs) in like an office or something. Yeah. (laughs) He's very naive, Ralph, isn't he? Because he 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 just swallows everything that he's told. Do you think Kirk takes advantage of that? Not takes advantage because he always seems mm. to look out for Ralph, really. Like we discussed yeah. the previous episode, uh, I think it just flatters his ego that he can... Yeah, he's got someone that hangs on. Yeah, hangs off his every word, yeah. Mm. 
Kurt realises now that the time is drawing near for him to actually ask Kate out. If he's going to do it, he's going to have to do it before the end of term. Mm. And he, he sort of makes a makes a play for it. But she's so mean, again. Rather than just saying, no thanks, she calls him a stupid, pathetic little person who has as much appeal as an ear infection. Yeah, and then she says, why don't you give us a break and emigrate, go and annoy New Zealand for a change? Oh, no! <laughs> so, See? she was ready to send him over here. Kirk asks John if he should read anything into what she's just said. <laughs> <laughs> he's not He's not great at picking up these non-too-subtle hints, is he? He's not. He thinks that Kate has got him all wrong and he wants John to be, a, to be a good friend and speak to Kate on his behalf to convince her to go on a date with him. Because he, he's, he's obviously very desperate at this stage. He wants to go on a date with her. Um, so John says, you know, John sort of falls on his sword and says, well, I'll, I'll take her out for a meal and I'll convince her. And you can sort of see how this is going to play out, I think, at this stage. Well, he's very reluctant, isn't he, initially? He's sort of... Uh, yeah, I he's, he's think quite... he knows. I don't know. think he knows what could happen. I think he's quite sardonic, really, because he says, oh, no, she does have feelings for you. Hate, loathing and revulsion. <laughs> so he's, he's, I don't know if he knows what's going to happen there, but he's, he just, he says he's got no intention of becoming Kirk's dating agent. But then mm. when he can see how desperate Kirk is, and he is actually genuinely really into her, then he, you know, his, his good eggery comes out, doesn't it? It does. Mm. I'm a bit suspicious of the good eggery at this stage. Oh, okay. I, I, I feel that, he already had an awareness of what might happen if he did if he did take her out on a on a meal. Mm. And we find out that then John and Kate end up back at John's flat after John having helped out Kirk. They've got a takeaway, they're both drunk. John apologises to her for not taking her out for an actual meal and for just getting a takeaway, but he says he's got no spare money now because his ex wife just takes everything, every yeah. penny that he's got. Yeah, true. And Kate's quite understanding and says, "Well, you should have said I. I could have, I could have paid." Mm-hmm. She refers to John as a nice man, mm-hmm. and I can you can you can sort of see how things are going when when she says that. I think it's because he's paid the bill, though, isn't it? And then she says it is the age yes. in the nineteen eighties age of equality, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I thought was quite ironic given how much things have changed since the eighties. Really, exactly, exactly. It was still in the thick of it, I think, in in the eighties. Yeah. I tell you what, though, it's it's bizarre how quickly they've gone from zero to bollocksed here, isn't it? Really, because they've yeah they're absolutely um, wazzocked, aren't they, in this flat of his? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't I don't know what, how did you rate their their drunk acting compared to the to the good life players that we we had a look at their drunk better. acting. I thought it was better. I thought it was it was a be- uh, believable without being hammy and over the top. I felt that you could you could see that they that they'd been drinking, and the way that they were talking, you could tell that they'd been drinking. But it wasn't overplayed. No, uh, if anything, it was of the four good life ones. It was more like Penelope Keith's, wasn't it? Yes, just subtle. She was more subtle in her delivery of her drunk, yeah. drunkness. Yeah. I think sometimes it's more to do with what what they're saying rather than how they're saying it. Hmm. It's stuff that you wouldn't say if you were sober. Which I think that's the the, the point of the. The scene, isn't it, that you're supposed to hear Kate's sober thoughts coming out while she's had a drink. Yeah, but I didn't think they were so shit-faced that they would forget everything that happened. No, that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's the other side, that then they've suddenly, the next morning, they don't know what's gone on. Hmm. John tells Kate that he wants to talk to her about something, and he suggests that some people hide their niceness, like Kirk, 
but Kate describes him as an obnoxious, loudmouthed, foul-mannered pig. John says, yes, but underneath it all... And then Kate adds, yeah, there's a cretin trying to get out. So she can't even... She hates him, doesn't she, really? She hates him. She does hate him. John thinks he's trying to redeem himself and tells Kate, well, you know he likes you. And then obviously the wine's gone to Kate's head and she says, and what about you? (laughs) Flap, flap, flap of her eyelids. Yeah, very Um, cow eyes. But then John says, oh, yeah, he likes me too. (laughs) (laughs) And I do wonder whether John's just completely oblivious or whether he's just trying to get out of a sticky situation, which he could for- he could foresee happening before it even did. Right. Okay. Mm, I'm still on. I'm still on the on the fence about that. There's a scratching on the wall, and Kate's like, "Well, what's that? What's that noise? What is it?" And John tells her that it's Mrs. Lemensky with the glass against the wall, trying to listen to what's going on. Yeah. And then we hear <laughs> off camera, Mrs. Lemensky shouts, "I am not listening." <laughs> And then drunk Kate says, well, let's switch off the lights. Then she can't hear us, which made me laugh. Because I can imagine doing that. I I do that thing that if I'm in the car and I'm driving and I need to think, I turn the radio off. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to park, turn the radio off and I can see better. I don't know how it works, yeah. but it does. If I tune out one sense, the other ones work better. So she's obviously got drunk logic. drunken craziness of yeah. yeah, drunken logic of switching off the lights so that she can't hear us, which did make me it made me titter. Kate impersonates Louise as well at one point in her drunkenness. Yes she does. And John calls Louise a stuck up cow. <laughs> drunk John's a bit mean. Oh well we can all say things when we're drunk. I mean I'll let I'm go. not giving him my MVP this You've week. You've changed your mind on John big time, haven't you? I don't like drunk John. I think he's ta- I think he's taking advantage of the situation that his friends asked him to do. Oh, you old cynic. Mm. Um, so now there's a discussion on how Kate's going to get home. John suggests a minicab. Kate actually wants to sleep over, I think. Um, but they wake up the next morning together in bed, hungover mm. and full of regret. Um, there's lots of moaning and groaning of sore heads, I think, at this stage. And then they're, they're both wondering aloud what, what's happened, what's happened. Mm. I like I like it when John jumps out of bed in his Bill Grundy's and just oh, covering his knob. <laughs> they're in fashion corner then. John explains that they've had too much to drink. Kate says that she wants to get out of bed, so John does the gentlemanly thing and goes out in the hall to give her some space, but bumps into Mrs Lumansky. <laughs> who shouts, you sexual maniac person, I should report you. I, th- I think she should as well. <laughs> Just like the way everything has person in with her. Yes. It's a label She's followed great. by person, isn't it? He goes back into the um, into the bedroom and they make a bit of awkward small talk and then he goes back out into the hall and Kate says, out loud, I should have known something like this was going to happen. Hmm. Feeling frustrated that he can't remember what's gone on, John, out in the hall, says, oh, God, oh, hell, oh, Kirk, and then bangs his head against the wall near the telephone. I don't like this monologuing thing that they do, though. No. You know, to an empty room. Do you have a family, Louise? No, they couldn't. My husband had a vein. 
Hello, this is Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. Have you ever wondered if the movies you enjoyed as a child have passed the test of time? Are they disappointingly awful or are they still any good? We've looked at Superman, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Big Trouble in Little China, Face Off, Trading Places, Police Academy 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Bugsy Malone, Escape to Victory, Look Who's Talking, The Man with Two Brains, Kindergarten Cop, Short Circuit, Home Alone, Smokey and the Bandit, Tango and Cash. So are these films still any good? Join me, Robert Johnson, in my cosy living room. And me, Christopher Webb, in my garage. And find out for yourselves. <laughs> it's a lovely garage. Were there any sexual problems? John's got feelings of regret, definitely. Yes, that I think so. he sort of screwed his friend over. So he goes round to Kirk's. Oh, sets off to go and speak to Kirk about what's happened. And he goes into like a... A back alley, we can assume. It's like, it must be like back-to-back terraced housing. And he's gone into like a back alley and there's a woman sort of loitering in, in the in the alleyway who we find out is Kirk's mum. Hmm. But when John asks her if Kirk St. Moritz is living any, around here, she doesn't know who John's talking about, but she shouts off camera to her, to Eric. Because she's suspicious, isn't she? She thinks this is a bailiff or the rent man or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's someone that needs money. Yeah. So she shouts for Eric. Well, John says uh, he's looking for a spy, and she says, we used to have a spy, but he deflected a year ago. <laughs> I like that one. A man comes to the door, and the big reveal is that this is Kirk, but not as we know him. Mm. I've called to see someone called Kirk St. Moritz. Who? Kirk St. Moritz. This is 17 Parkview Court. Oh, you've got the address all right, but there's nobody here called... Kirk St. Moritz. What does he do? <laughs> He's a spy. So th- this this guy, who who we find out is Eric, is dressed in what... He, I think in 1986, the, the vibe that they were going for in this episode is that he was to look like a geeky nerd, unattractive... No self-confidence with what he was dressed as. So he, he had, like, slicked-down hair. He's not got his usual quiff. He's supposed to be, like, a greasy, greasy sort of slicked-down slick hair. He's got, um, like, NHS split glasses, you know, with the with the black and the, and the clear frames at the bottom. Yes. Um, a zip-up granddad cardigan, a white shirt fastened to the neck with no tie. So all the things that would, at that time, just give off geek nobody vibes it, yeah exactly and i agree with everything you just said but I, i've summed it up in four words where i've written down here he dressed he's dressed like ralph <laughs> he's dressed like ralph he is. Much he's got, he's got, he is he's only missing the the tank top with um terrapins on i know he didn't have one of them but no. that that yeah however in 2022 it i don't think it gives off the same vibes as were intended in 1986 okay because I think fashion's got... I'm going to talk about this further in, in Fashion Corner. It's got more of a broader appeal now. I think you can wear whatever you want and style it to however you want to. And I don't think that the Eric character was doing this. But when I saw when I saw Eric slash Kirk, it just made me think, oh, Peter Blake's quite fit. <laughs> I thought he looked really attractive in a, in a 2012 hipster kind of way. It didn't have the same appeal to me now watching it as an adult as it did yeah. in 1986. Well, I think the other thing to say there is that the nerd or the geek look 
very much came of age in the late noughties and yes and and suddenly became kind of like attractive to many people and accepted absolutely so in, at this yes. time that was the look that was to be ridiculed and nowadays it's not so much which is a good thing absolutely it's been repurposed and you because i think fashion now you especially in, in today like today you can take any kind of i think what the kids are calling an aesthetic and make it a modern thing you can do whatever you want with it because i don't think people are that precious anymore about what's in vogue what style what's in style that you can you can just do whatever you like mm. so yes i i saw eric and thought oh god yeah i would. Kate should go on a date with eric <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he looked yeah he looked i thought he looked cool anyway that wasn't the point so we're assuming straight away that this is the eric that the ladies just shouted off camera for um she's never heard of kirk st moritz but she invites john in when they say that they realised that they were at school together, they both realised that they were at school together. Yeah, well, well Kirk's... Uh, sorry, Eric says, make us a cup of tea. And she says, make it yourself, you lazy bastard. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that at all. It just came out of nowhere. It's great. Morphed into an episode of Father Ted, didn't it? <laughs> Kirk wants John to come in and tell him all about what Kate has said. Because Eric slash Kirk is still thinking that John's done the decent thing and found out on his behalf what, mm. what the crack is with Kate. Um, John's very confused, though, at this stage, because obviously he's wandered in thinking this was Kirk and it's not. He said, I thought you lived in a penthouse. And Kirk explains that Kirk isn't his real name and he's actually Eric Morris. Yeah. And, and the other thing John asked him is, why are you dressed like that? And he says, oh, it's my day off. <laughs> it's my day off. <laughs> there is downtime spy clothes. Yeah. Kirk's bedroom is a, a wonder to be, to behold. He's got a Mr. T poster, which is what I want. That's the, the arc of the joke, yeah. I mean, being in the air team. He's actually got a poster of Mr. T on his wall. There's a toy gun. Yeah, and a toy Jeep as well, isn't there? Oh, yeah, in the background. So it's, yeah, he is as anti Kirk St. Moritz as they come, I think, isn't it? Poor, poor Eric Morris. I think in, uh, what we're seeing from the decor in his bedroom is that in his head, he's. He's the spy that he talks about. He's got a Rambo yeah. poster and a Dogs of War poster and yeah. uh, Mr. T, as you say. and yeah, It's just inescapably tragic, isn't it, really? It is tragic. He's living like a Walter Mitty kind of life, into where this is just one of the characters that he makes up hmm. and, and puts out to the world. His mum comes in with the bruise and berates Kirk for, for not telling her that he had friends. So you're Eric's friend, what? You never said you had any friends. <laughs> he never had any friends. Even when he was at school, he never had any friends. They all hated him. <laughs> he could have been a postman. <laughs> but his feet play him up. She's embarrassing him. She is. She doesn't. She's. She's a. She's a bit of a nasty. Yeah, a nasty Irish mammy, isn't she? Yeah. Mm. She probably thought that being like that would make him. Would toughen him up. You could see that kind of mm. that that way of, of of sort of parenting. Oh, we'll toughen you up, and it just makes people worse. Can do, yeah. Just horrible. Yeah, he's um, she's almost like the anti Mrs Doyle, isn't she? She won't make anyone a she cup is. of tea, and <laughs> she's horrible. Yeah, to she's everyone. not caring. No. Put the kettle on, would you? Why don't you put it on yourself, you lazy bastard? <laughs> Kirk tells John that he looks after his mum. Oh, 
Um, and he has done since his dad walked out. So John really empathises here because he can he can sort of associate with this. And he says, it must be really hard. My son Toby still wakes in the night shouting for me. Yeah. Which I thought, oh, God. Well, at least they've got, like, some kind of connection. But then John asks, how old were you when your dad left? And Kirk tells him he was 27. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but John's reaction is... Amazing at this at, the, at this point, he says, "Well, that is that's the worst time, isn't it? It's a funny age." <laughs> what could he say? But it's deadpan and it's well, so well delivered. It, yeah, it was very, very funny in, in in what is a very sad, a very sad scene. Just as an aside, here, John throws out that Wendy's been telling Toby that his dad is very sick and in a padded cell. Yeah, that's what an awful thing to say. I mean, I think it was yeah. just like to show Wendy as sort of a bit of a. Nasty piece of work, but to, I don't know. It was a throwaway line, but because we're deep yeah. diving it, I'm hanging on it off every kind of word, I guess. And I thought, what a yeah. absolutely despicable fucking harridan this woman is. Yeah, but as a as a, as a grown when Toby's grown up, surely if his mum's told him that, he'd be thinking, well, how, how did I get to go to the zoo with him then? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. What just what a horrible thing to do to a kid. Ooh, bitch. Ooh, Wendy. Ooh. Bloody Wendy. Kirk admits that he was never a confident person. And when he was younger, his clothes were even hand-me-downs from the kid next door that they'd left out for the rag and bone man. But John comforts him and says, that's nothing to be ashamed of, but everyone has, like, hand-me-downs. He says, yeah, but the family next door were Buddhists. (laughs) And he used to end up going to school in Long John's rope sandals and a caftan. In fact... He won the infant school fancy dress contest without even changing his clothes, and he wasn't even in the infant school fancy dress contest. It's a definite um, John Sullivan classic joke klaxon, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Bang, bang, bang. Yep. Yeah, adding to it different layers, just like Eric and his captain. But he ramps it up here because I think he, he's, he's so clever, he realises that this could play out very tragic. Yeah. So he crams it full of one-liners. To, to diminish yeah. that and to, to keep the comedy coming, you know? Because Absolutely. Cause it could, it could it. fall flat, couldn't it? It could yeah, fall easily. like where, you, where you're sort of feeling so sad for this character. Hmm. But, I mean, Kirk's very down on himself. He's saying, who'd have me? Yeah. Someone desperate and I was the ugly kid with ears. But then, you know, there's another line there, isn't it? Like, they used to call me big ears. And mm. then John says, children could be so cruel. And he says, children, that was my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he shows him the photo, he shows him the school photograph of him. Yeah. And John says, well, I could understand if you were the kid behind. And Peter Blake's, his next line of, I was the kid behind, was so well-timed. Yeah. That it was it was just it, really funny. Really, really funny. You've never been married, have you? It would have me. <laughs> well, why did you join a club for divorced people? Oh, I suppose I thought I might meet someone there. You know, someone desperate. <laughs> Anna was an ugly kid. I had big ears. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you're imagining that a lot. I mean, I honestly can't think that you were an ugly child. Yeah, school photograph, 1957. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the word ugly, I mean, that's a bit extreme. I mean, look, the child behind... I am like, the child. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> I've, just, I've just spotted the prayer cap. See the ears? That's what they used to call me. Big ears. Children could be so cruel. Children, that was me parents. <laughs> John's sort of John's. You can sort of tell now that John's getting to the stage where he's thinking, "I don't know what to. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this situation." Yeah. 
Kirk slash Eric explains how he became Kirk. He says that his mum took he took his mum to a singles bar, <laughs> which is weird in yeah. itself. And while he was there, there was a man in cowboy boots, snakeskin jacket, gold crucifix, diamond studded shades, and it obviously made a really big impression on Kirk. Um, and he could tell that this guy was really confident and self assured, but he was he was he was thrown out because he wasn't a member. But it, that didn't matter to Kirk because this obviously this person and his style stuck with him. This is like an epiphany, isn't it, in his head? It is. Yeah. It is. I want to be like him, and I, I, I vowed to never lower my head again, and I would never again limp to gain sympathy, <laughs> which John picks up on. He's like, what, you used to limp to gain, <laughs> gain sympathy? Hmm. Kurt came home from, from that um, encounter, and he borrowed his mum's catalogue and ordered all the clothes to make him become Kirk St. Moritz. Well, he jumps up at this point and demos his wardrobe, doesn't he? And I yeah. I kind of really wanted to see more of what was in that wardrobe. but It was very small, wasn't it? There was only a little wardrobe. It was. And then there was a weird cut when he went to sit down, the door of the wardrobe shut and sort of came open again. And you could hear the audience laughing quite hard, but then it cut. Okay. So there's a weird editing thing, and I don't know if they've cut a joke out there or I missed something in the background. I'm not sure. It might have been a wardrobe-related gaff. Could have been, yeah. And then they've cut it or something. Bloody audience, I bet. Yeah, like rolling around in the in the seats, laughing at. <laughs> yeah, shit. at least they went Icelandic, like the ones that you watched that Faulty Towers episode <laughs> yeah. didn't laugh at anything. Mute. <laughs> I'm not an empty shell. John's really confused though about all this because people don't really like him as Kirk. They don't like the fact that he's confident and a bit obnoxious. Kirk tells John about the time that he asked a friend in a very similar situation to speak to a girl that he fancied on a, on his behalf and he took her away for a dirty weekend in Brighton and now John really does look nervous now because mm, he realises yeah. that he's overstepped the mark. Kirk says, it's all right, I've got real friends now like you, buddy. Oh, poor Kirk. John's looking nervous but Kirk asks him, so go on, tell me, how did you get on with Tiger? Yeah, yeah, and he's, well, he's shitting a brick at this point, isn't he? He is, he is. John tells him how it went. They take away the wine, they got tipsy, and then they kind of spent the night together, which you think that Kurt would erupt at, but he says, yeah, but did you ask her about my date? Oh. Yeah, he just looks at him blankly, doesn't he, for a minute, and then... Yeah. John explains that after they got drunk, they conked out, and they're not sure if anything even happened, but even that would just take the, the shine off your friendship, surely. Hmm, I think so. There's a doubt there, isn't there? Yeah. At this point, now, Kirk explicitly says to John, don't mention it to the others. And Eric says, I'll never see the others again. Which I thought is quite a pivotal yeah. line, that. Mm. He wants Eric slash Kirk to, to come to the group as Eric. I think John feels that Eric would have better success yeah. with the ladies as a nice guy mm. than he would as Kirk as brash and rude. Which I think is true. I think he would. He would, but he's he's riddled with self doubt, and I think as John leaves the room, he sort of just sort of sat there oh. in a very sad poise, just sort of thinking to mm. himself because he's 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 looking for affirmation as well. And John, he says, "Do you really think so?" John says, "Yeah," and that's when he leaves. Yeah. But of course, just as maybe Kirk's getting up some confidence, John has a word with his mum, doesn't he? He does. Are you going now? Uh, yes, Mrs. Morris. Uh, Kirk, Eric is uh, feeling rather upset. Oh, what's the matter with them? Well, I've, I've just 
brought in some rather bad news, you see, and, and he's feeling rather fragile, so I wonder if we could just be a little understanding towards him. Of course. Hey, big ears, what's wrong with you? That's horrible. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting him to turn up after that sort of proverbial kick in the bollocks. No, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen here. They're in the pub now, waiting to go for the meal. They're all, they've all met up for the end-of-term meal. They are, but he's been a dick and he's told them after he, he was explicitly asked not to tell them. He's told them everything about Eric. Yeah. Bit of a dick move. Yeah. Yes. He tells Kate that, that she should give Kirk a chance because he's not who she thinks he is. It's just an act, like a twin personality. And then out of nowhere, Mrs Arnott, with one of her one-liners, says, two of the Andrews sisters were twins. <laughs> <laughs> randomly <laughs> Kate can't understand why Kirk would need to put on such an act when John hmm. tells her everything that's happened to him but then she says can I have a quick word with you in private and they discuss briefly what happened the night before Good. Louise is dying to know what's being said oh, in she this conversation not. her ears prick up yeah <laughs> she senses something sexual neither of them can remember what happened the previous night but agree to report back if they do remember yeah, and that does work that way sometimes. Yeah. I've never, I, I very rarely have lost memories through drinking, but I've, I've heard enough from other people to know that sometimes mm. it slowly starts to creep back in. Yeah, with, with cold sweats and panic. <laughs> John then goes on to describe Eric to the group. Um, he says he's quiet, almost meek. You'll be surprised at his appearance. He'll be nervous when he arrives. But let's try and draw him out. Treat him like someone that we don't know. So after all that, after saying that he wasn't going to say anything, he literally guides them through exactly what, what Eric's about. Yeah, I'll give it, I've sort of given the benefit of the doubt in a way because he's trying to prepare them. He is. And, and also ensure that perhaps that Kate doesn't go on the offensive as she's prone to do. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, you know, so she's, she's, maybe he's prepping the situation so it doesn't go badly for Eric. But um, they're all just sort of sat there waiting with bated breath, staring at the door, aren't they, waiting for him? This is such this is such a funny couple of seconds because they all, they all turn, like you said, they turn and watch the door. An old guy comes through <laughs> and Ralph says, that's not him, is it? <laughs> he said, we won't recognise him. But then, oh, Kirk turns up, not Eric. All confidence, buying champagne and two glasses. He slaps Kate's arse, doesn't he? He does. He's like ultra, ultra Kirk on, on, on this occasion. And then in a very weird couple of, couple of seconds, Kirk is mad at John for nearly blowing the operation that he was on as a spy. So he's literally divulged everything to John yeah. about his real life and then totally done a, done a 180 and gone back on everything and he's back to pretending that he's this confident undercover agent he was on surveillance john nearly blew the cover and john asks him well what why what's your code name big ears yeah <laughs> yeah but this this final gag's really good isn't it that kurt comes back with i was on surveillance <laughs> bulgarian infiltrators we're just about to put a cape at a bed when you came blundering in has anyone here seen kirk's in moritz you nearly blew my cover i see you do your spying from home do you what's your code name big ears <laughs> you don't think I live in that dump, do you? Just don't foul up on me again, guy. 
Look, I tried to call you, but your phone had been cut off. Oh, don't be a fool, Guy. The phone was on scramble. The only thing on scramble is your brains. <laughs> Zed was all for having you liquidated, but I said, whoa, the cat is cool. <laughs> Zed? You met Zed? No, I didn't. The only person I met was your mum. He had you fooled as well, did he? Ace. <laughs> it's a great final line, isn't it? Kirk is obviously just delusional at this stage. I, yeah, you, you sort of you don't know where to sort of pitch it now because he was so open about his life, and then it's it's all literally been abolished in a few, in a few minutes. Yeah, you got to wonder about his psyche because he's doubled down yeah. on, his, on his Kirk personality. Yes. But deep down, he must know that John knows. Yeah. He is Eric Morris, who lives with his Irish mother. So it's a very, yeah, he's, the psychiatrists in Faulty Towers would have a good time with him. Let's just leave it at that. Yes, they would. <laughs> they would. Because you, you, you get some kind of resolution to what Kirk is as, as a character, but then it's all, the waters are muddied again straight away because you don't, you don't really know much about him because if he'd have turned up as, as Eric it would have been more telling that, oh, wow, yeah, right. So he's, he's obviously realised that he could be a better person by being his normal self. Mm. But like you said, he's doubled down. And, and we do get to, I mean, spoiler alert, we do get to see Eric one more time mm. in this show, but I I can't help but imagine that John Sullivan had a, a, a longer path towards a, a change in him so that maybe by the time we hit series four or five, if it had gone that long, mm. he may have embraced his inner Eric a bit more. He's in it, Eric, yeah. And then we, it would have been a really interesting development to see how that character then interacted with the group, wouldn't it? Yeah. One thing I sort of made a note of was that Zed, which is the name that he gave his mother when he was pretending yes. that he was a undercover agent, that's Rip Torn's <laughs> name in, as the head of Men in Black, isn't it? <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, he's Zed. And it's too much to Brilliant. too much to think that perhaps that was in homage to uh, dear John, but yeah, <laughs> never mind. Did you have an MVP in this episode? Well, uh, tough one. This I, I think I wanted to give it to John. Why? I wanted to give it to John because he tried to set up Kate with Kirk, and he encouraged Kirk to come out of his shell. So I did want to give it to him, but the betrayal mm. of Kirk's confidence even with the caveats that I said before, that he was perhaps yep. prepping the group. And now you've sown that doubt in my mind as to whether he actually thought maybe he would get with Kate himself. Yeah. Now, you know, that's that sealed it for me. So, yes. I don't really know who to give it to <laughs> because... Yeah. There's no one, you know, every other character other than John and Kirk are a bit part in this one, really, aren't they? Yeah. Kate probably has the most to do, but I'm actually going to sort of what's the what's the word that the Americans say the phrase take the fifth. All right, I'm not going to I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not going to nominate You're anyone. Not gonna do one. No, I'm going to I'm going to fucking dig my heels in and refuse. Okay, right, right. No one deserves it. Oh, can I not give it to Eric? Are you, oh, if you're treating Eric as a completely different character, I'm 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 treating him as two, as two separate characters. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but that adds that cloudies the water, doesn't it? Because. Because he's not in other episodes. Well, it's more to the point when I'm when I'm adding everyone up. Do I include him in the Kirk votes, <laughs> or is he a separate character? No, no, you don't. Okay. No, you treat him as a separate character. He's a separate entity. All right, well, that's fine. I think. Yeah, you can give it to Eric. I'm going to give it to Eric. Yeah. Yeah. For being brave enough to tell John, I think it was the Kirk side of him. If, if I think about him as, as like a, sli a split personality, the Kirk 
side of him is far more powerful and managed to come back out and and take over. But I do think that Eric is a a character in his own right. Do you think it's like uh, the Venom comics? Do you? I do. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I may not be willing to pick an MVP, but I've got lots of bric-a-brac. Oh yeah, I had quite a bit. Go on, you tell me about your bric-a-brac. Well, we'll do one. We'll do one each, and then we'll just keep swapping. Uh, the first one I picked up was the bottle of Matthias Rosé that John was drinking. Yeah. Very very eighties. I mean, you can still get it, but it was became very like the height of chic, didn't it? Really. Oh yeah, it's synonymous, isn't it? That is that the one with the wonky top. Well, it's. A, it... I know it's the big bulbous bottle, isn't it? With... That's right. Yeah. I'm sure it had like a wonky, a wonky. Top. I don't remember the wonky top, but I do. I was looking at John's bottle, thinking that's bigger than you get in the bloody supermarket now. Mm. Like everything, if he was having a Mars bar as for pudding, I'm sure that'd be twice the size of a modern day Mars bar, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would with a paper wrapper. What's your first one that you noticed? My first one was the bedding in John's flat, the stripy, yeah. pastely <laughs> bedding. Because I, I remember having that. Me too. And they were yeah. like. They weren't fitted sheets. They were like them sheets that you've got to fold over your mattress yourself, like with hospital corners. Mm. And they were like fluffy, quite fluffy and cosy. Was it the same as the pillow or was that a different pattern? I think it was. No, it was the, it was the same as the pillow. It was the pillow that I saw, but I remember yeah. having the whole, we had the whole caboodle. I think we only had the pillows, but we definitely had All that right. design. Yeah, mm. the rainbow kind of look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, well, the other one I got was outside Kirk's mum's flat, Eric's mum's yeah. flat. I noticed the word scab was graffitied on the wall. <gasps> really? Which is very much of its time, wasn't it, with the Scargill and everything? Yeah. Maybe a couple of years later. That was around 83, 84, wasn't it? Yeah. Scab. Oh. Scab, 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 scab. Not that I would have thought that Eric was a scab. <laughs> I doubt he'd been down a mine. Did you have any other... Any other bric-a-bracs? Kirk's mum's face. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! Another face. Was slightly was slightly synonymous with uh, Mrs. Hall's face. I thought she looked very um, Mrs. Mrs. Hall esque. Of a time. I'm gonna have to draw a line under this. Calling people's faces bric-a-bracs. These people are probably alive and well, and they'll get in touch with us. And I googled whether she was the same person because it was it was so stark. Oh, you thought it was actually the same actress, as in uh, uh, Mrs. Yeah, Hall? P- perhaps. Yeah. No, no, she was, she was definitely, she sounded like a genuine Irish person. Yeah. Un- unlike um, the fellow who shacked up with Wendy, who's, who's not a genuine Welsh person. No, that was random, that, weren't it? His, um False Welshness. Let's have a little uh, trip over to Fashion Corner then, shall we, and find out who's very green this week. Green tinge. Green, green, green. Very green. Very green. Very green. Whatever. It seems we never wear those clothes no more. Fashion cold. Now, this week, um, Eric's overshadowed most of the characters because I'm finding now that the same clothes are making a reappearance Mm. throughout the episodes so Kate's we'd seen before Louise's we'd seen before Ralph's pretty much the same every week (laughs) 
but there, there are a couple of things, a couple of, of characters' clothes that I would I would like to mention. John, after he jumps out of bed with Kate, ugh, he's dressed in like a white vest style t-shirt and saggy, really saggy undies, mm. like proper passion killer neckers. Yeah. Um, so even if even if they they had had their wicked way with each other. Ew, put, oh. But were they wide front so he could have poked it out the middle? I bet. Oh. I bet they were. I didn't get a close enough glance, thank goodness. No. But yeah, they could have poked them out the middle. Oh, it's height dear of sophisticated me. sex in the 80s. Yeah, it was It was totally unsexual. Mrs. Morris, um, when we meet her in, in, in the front of, of her house, is in like a lemon yellow jacket with a black belt. A pale coloured blouse and a dark skirt, and she's got the the busy housewife pinny on. You know, women when they when they were housewives, busy and about at home, always had a pinny on to protect the clothes. So hmm. there she was in a in a little like a, 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 a fluffy pinny, not fluffy. What do I mean? Frilly. Um, frilly. A frilly pinny. Kirk as as Eric. We've mentioned these cardigans before. These were like like things that. Older men in the, in my experience, in the 70s and 80s, had these zip-up cardigans, They're like a fair isle print or a fair isle design of cardigan. And they were, they weren't button-up cardigans. They were zip-up cardigans, so you could be like mm. action granddad and just like chuck it on over your clothes straight away as like an, a, another layer. But they are synonymous with older men around this time I think you'd I think you'd be able to pick something like this up now probably in bloody top shop <laughs> and be like 18 buzzing around in your short pant and your granddad cardigan but for for, the, for this particular character they were it was supposed to be synonymous with being old and out of touch and um, uncool I think yeah white button up shirt no that is really cool I think there's a I've seen a, a picture recently of Ryan, Ryan Gosling I think in a white button up shirt with no tie no nothing just a, just buttoned up to his neck right which again I think was synonymous with being uncool just not having any style slacks um, I think he's got like trouser slacks like probably ill-fitting trouser slacks on and then NHS glasses which again were supposed to be synonymous of just being uncool but they've, they've been reappropriated those glasses I've had glasses like that mm. um, I remember as a kid finding my granddad's version of those glasses and thinking oh if I never need, if I ever need glasses them are the ones that I want <laughs> and when they became something that you could buy in like Specsavers or Vision Express I was over the moon because that's what I wanted was that mainly to do with like someone like Eric Morecambe or Ronnie Barker that think so yeah, yeah. probably because my, my glasses now are very dark and huge and i think that's what i'm going i don't think that's what i'm going for i think i, I like the <laughs> i like the old man look fair enough yep yeah i think kirk slash eric is my fashion icon in this series so far i just think yeah i i like i like the look i like the look and i do think eric should have shown up as as eric himself at the one-to-one club i think he'd have done better hmm Kirk talking about nicknames and the nickname he was given at school. Right. Um, I just came across something that I'd shared from my son mm. a couple of years ago that really amused me because he, he told me when he was a lot younger, when he was only about eight, he referred to his friend as Sponge. His nickname was Sponge. Okay. And I said, oh, Sponge, is that like because he absorbs knowledge all the time? He said, no, it's because we caught him having a wash. <laughs> <laughs> Sponge. 
the idea that you it's such an embarrassing thing to be caught having a wash that you end up with a nickname for life. You get a nickname <laughs> from it. I love it. Sponge. So if you're enjoying Deep Diving Dear John with us, you can follow us at Sado Podcast on Twitter and Instagram where we post rare photos and videos of Dear John, Faulty Towers and The Good Life. We have a Facebook page as well that you can find by searching Sado Podcast and we also have a growing Facebook group that you can join and contribute to with discussion or memes or anything that you find yourself. Subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website which is sado.club and then there you can find and get information about us, read our blog, show us a coffee and listen to the episodes if you don't do podcast apps. You can also watch the original episodes that we discuss on our episode notes pages or take our super tricky Good Life and Faulty Towers quizzes. Get in touch with us by email at saddlepodcast at gmail.com and if you can, can you subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. So we won't be doing an episode next week, not not to delineate between Series 1 and Series 2, but just because I'm on holiday and I can't be asked. So we'll have a week off and then we'll be back the following week with Series 2, Episode 1. Do you know what it's called, Al? I do. It's called A New Member. Ooh. Except, ooh, because I know it is. <laughs> oh, no. I would have... I think if I'd have known that, I would have had my fingers crossed that it was Eric. Sorry to go on about Eric. Yeah, here you got a thing for Eric. <laughs> yeah. It's it's Tosh from the Bill, isn't it? Like, oh, that's no good. Boo. No, he's an annoying guy. But um, it's mm. not an awful episode. These, these first two of Series 2 both have this character in before he buggers off. And they are definitely the weakest of the entire run, but they they do have some good gags in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to deep diving and just seeing the difference between Series 1 and Series 2, if there is one. Yes. So we'll see you for that in two weeks' time. And until then, I'll see thee. We'll see you then. Yeah. Dear John, dear John, by the time you read this line, I'll be gone. Life goes on, right or wrong. Now it's up. Seems we've sung love's last song, dear John.